Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Like, say I want to see what you're doing and who you're hanging with, and you're not posting about it on your story. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's weird. You do that? No, I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends, and then use that money to buy something at a store with Apple Pay. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Maybe. Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. You know that I feel like it's important to express yourself. You got to put your true self out there. And those classic Crocs, clogs, and sandals let you do that. That's right. Between the rainbow of colors and the gibbets charms, you can create a unique look. And I mean, literally, no one else will have shoes exactly like yours. Hey, you know it doesn't get any more comfortable than the croc clogs and sandals. They are just the perfect blend of comfort and creativity. Visit crocs.com to explore the latest styles and gibbets charms. You may have heard that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help us save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Posting on Twitter Instagram, and Facebook is not the only way to be an activist in 2020. <laughs> Which is funny. You almost took my sound bite because what I'm wondering is how active is social activism really? It's a good question. Dead ass. Hey, I'm Kadeen. And I'm DeVal. And we're the Ellises. You may know us from posting funny videos with our boys. And reading each other publicly as a form of therapy. Wait, I make you need therapy? Most days. Wow. <laughs> oh, and one more important thing to mention, we're married. Yes, sir, we mm-hmm. are. We created this podcast to open dialogue about some of life's most taboo topics. Things most folks don't want to talk about. Through the lens of a millennial married couple. Deadass is a term that we say every day. So when we say deadass, we're actually saying facts. 100. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We about to take Pillow Talk to a whole new level. Deadass starts right now. All right. You got a good story for me today. I got I got a good story. I feel like with this topic, All there's right. mad stories. But. Yes, there's mad stories, but I got a good story today. And it, it hit close to home because I remember you and I waking up one morning mm-hmm. to a couple of... Um, I guess it was DMs and comments from mm-hmm. people who were upset at you and me mm-hmm. because they felt like we weren't vocal enough when it came to what was going on in the country at the time. And mm-hmm. this was right after uh, George Floyd was murdered. Mm-hmm. And you had went silent on social media for about a week and a half. Mm-hmm. I had posted a couple of things, but to be quite honest, um, that wasn't my main focus, wasn't posting at the time. 
Um, what a lot of people don't know is that I still run a, a nonprofit organization in Brooklyn called Prototype Sports Performance. And during that time, we were dealing with the shutdown of the school system. Mm -hmm. So I had six employees that were working um, in the school system, all young kids who just graduated college, and they talked about shutting down the school. So I was spending a lot of time trying to figure out a way to help them not only get jobs if we couldn't go back into schools, but trying to redefine the program so that we can get funding to make sure that they got paid during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of things going on um, for me socially that I just didn't want to post on social media. And at first I was a little taken back because I was like, you know, I do a lot that I don't post. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think it's post worthy. Right. I just I just feel like it's not some, necessary. It's not necessary. This, these are right. things that these are my mission. This is my mission. This is my passion project. You know, I want to make sure that my people are taken care of on a daily basis on the front lines. Everything doesn't have to be look at what I'm doing. But then I also had to sit back and think that um, as a quote unquote celebrity, because once you are in the public eye, we do have a podcast. I am on TV shows. We do have our social media platforms. People do want to hear what you have to say when it comes to things of this nature that affect all of us. So at first, I was pissed, <laughs> right? And I responded to one of the comments, and I started to list all the things that I was doing during this time because I was actually trying to help people. Mm -hmm. And then people started to chime in, you know, the value, you don't owe them anything, you don't own anything. And then that person reached out and hit me a DM mm -hmm. on private and apologized. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and said I didn't realize that all of that was going on. But that made me think in that moment how much of social media has kind of um, distorted our views of what real activism is? Mm. And it was that moment and that when that happened to me that I realized, you know, how much are people doing that we don't know? So check this out, guys. This, this song that I'm about to sing for karaoke means a lot to me because you guys know how I feel about this particular artist. But what made it so important to me was that Jackson listened to the song and it's become our, like, our song that we listen to during workouts uh, every other day. I know, day. yes, yes, yes. And um, he says it's amazing how this song, you know, was was made in the '90s and it's so relevant today. In the so, 1900s. In the 1900s, like yeah. <laughs> this song was made in the 1900s. 1900s when your TV was black and white and big. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Hey. I see no changes. Wake up in the morning and I ask myself, is life worth living? Should I blast myself? I'm tired of being broken, even worse, I'm black. My stomach hurts, so I'm looking for a purse to snatch. Cops kill a damn about a Negro. Pull a trigger, kill a nigga, he's a hero. Selling track, oh, selling crack to the kids, who the hell cares? One less hungry mouth on the welfare. Hey. Think about those words. Are we oh. literally not going through the same things the right same. now in 2020 damn jackson same. said to me when History we, we, when we listened to it and that's tupac shout out to tupac i know cairo's middle name is shakur yeah but wake up in the morning and i ask myself is life worth living shall i blast myself mm. i'm tired of being poor and even worse i'm black my stomach hurts so i'm looking for a purse to snatch even worse i'm black cops Bruh. give a damn cops give a damn about a negro pull a trigger kill a nigga he's a hero mm. <sighs> Jackson heard these words and was just like, that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. And you think about the suicide rate amongst blacks right now. It's mm -hmm. high, especially during the pandemic. Right. Which brings me back to, um, shut down. Which brings me back to story time. Back to story time. Because um, we developed the program Prototype Sports Performance Lab when mm -hmm. I retired from the NFL to give young men an opportunity to 
transition into the world if mm-hmm. their NFL dreams don't And don't over the years, out. it expanded to young women as well. Yeah, so, so we currently have two mentors, uh, mm-hmm. two mentors that are women. They ran track yeah. in uh, college, and we have three athletes who are football players. Right. So we've pretty much always had a pulse in yeah. the community, yeah. um, and, I, and I love you for that because that was a vision that you had super early on, yeah. as early as when you retired from the NFL, yes. um, and you wanted to start your speed and performance enhancement training program, yes. and it was more than just training children physically yeah. or athletically. Yeah. It was about encompassing the entire child and yes. the entire experience and how they um, can be a well-rounded athlete you know, yeah. maintaining a certain grade level in school. There, there were certain criteria. Yeah, they had to that maintain above an eighty average, uh-huh. above a three um, To me, it was more about caregiving and less about training. Yeah. Because we mentored these young men and women from seven all the way through college. Yeah. And then the program ended up becoming um, a pay it forward program, mm-hmm. where we got a grant from the United Way. We partnered with After School All Stars, and these young men and women that came back from college who couldn't find work. We placed them as mentors and disciplinary deans in PS 272. Shout out to uh, Principal Dakota Keys, mm-hmm. who worked with us. Uh, Mateo, like that whole staff, Rashim, they worked with us to create this program where we took these young African-American people who mm-hmm. would have been lost any other way because they thought they were being pro athletes. Mm-hmm. They come back into the elementary schools and they mentor the young kids. So that for the first time, they're getting, they have an opportunity to see young people that look like them who graduated from college, mm-hmm. who work with them daily, hand to hand. So they're like mentor disciplinary deans. Absolutely. And we've been able to uh, decrease the dropout rate. Well, not dropout rate. Uh, decrease the um, absentee rate because kids wanted to come to school to spend time with the mentors. Right. Um, kids started to graduate on time. Mm-hmm. Um, behavioral issues started to decrease. Yeah. And uh, that was part of the activism that we created. Right. Because I feel like it was necessary for us to um, have an actual hand and pulse in the community. And, you know, for me, the change was about being able to see it and being able to just on the front lines be the ones to be able to institute that change. You know what I mean? And seeing it through. So sometimes you can't affect the entire mass of people. But if you can help. You know, but a handful directly. It, but but realistically, it wasn't just about that school. It was about the whole community. Because right. um, shout out to Canarsie. You know what I'm saying? This is on the, know, the, the school. The floor. Shout out to the floor. The floor. PS 272. <laughs> I love y'all. Y'all know y'all my peoples. But this program was designed to help the community so that those young people. Yes. And we're talking about hundreds of kids that go to PS 272 who will ultimately graduate and go on to different junior high schools but they're having they feel better about themselves Mm because they see versions of themselves that they can emulate you know college graduates who played sports who did well who were productive members of society who chose to come back and help them so you know to take it back to story time my focus was there because when they decided to close the schools not only did the kids not have the mentors but the mentors didn't have a job right so now we're dealing with an economic crisis and i have five uh young men and women who don't have work some of them have children so we were trying to focus on a, a way to revamp the program so they could do remote mentoring, and we were able to figure it out. But in that first two-week span where I was kind of off social media, this is what I was dealing with, and that became my focus because right. at the time I had found out that I wasn't going back to film yet. Um, all the brand partnerships had stopped, so social media for me wasn't a priority. It was right. my family, right. and it was my actual community, and I started to get backlash from it. Because I wasn't posting constantly about what was going on. And if you did post, then I was getting backlash for not posting as well or as frequently. And it was just like, can I exist and process in this moment and see what the heck is going on? Or am I just going to be a person that's aimlessly, you know, 
reposting other people's posts just to say that I'm posting and I'm active, you know, and that's where we were with it. To take it a step further, though, um, Bay, with what we were doing in the community, the community was not only just the parents, the children, the families, it was also having an establishment between the relationship between like our young men and women in the community and the police. Yes. Because the yes. 69th precinct, which was one of our, you know, local yes. precincts and stuff like that, it was important for us too. Yes. For they for them to kind of know who we were. Absolutely. Um, to know some of our children who Absolutely. were in the mentorship program. So that way it kind of decreased a little bit of the tension or the aim was to try to decrease yes. some of the tension that existed or could have potentially existed between um, our young folks and the cops. Yeah, absolutely. During the time at the peak of prototype, we had a partnership with uh, PacPlex and um, there was a, a you know, I'm gonna call him a young man by the name of Tommy who had a really good partnership with the 69th Precinct. Mm-hmm. And he ran the boxing gym. At the time, I think it was Zab Judah's boxing gym. Mm-hmm. But um, he ran the boxing gym and there were, some, there were men in there, older black men, who really had a stronghold in the community. Mm-hmm. So we used to partner with them, partner with the 69th Precinct to make sure that they were, uh, there was at least an understanding. So that if something happened between one of my kids, I could reach out to someone at the 69th Precinct right. and say, hey, that's one of my prototype kids. Let me get his parents on the phone. Let me get a, a, a lawyer present. Right. And then I had an attorney that I could call when one of my kids had issues. Y'all heard him, Kenneth Montgomery. He comes Shout on here all Kenny. the time. So what we had developed through prototype was at least a system where we could protect our kids, mm-hmm. especially the kids that we knew were doing the right things. Right. Because the worst thing is for a kid to get caught up in, in, in the system and have no way. No way, yes. Or know, no one of, to turn to, no right. advice, no legal counsel, things right. like that. So we were creating, in a sense, our own ecosystem of, yes. you know, uh, change and of yes. support within our yes. community, which is still super very important to us. So shout out to Canarsie again in Brooklyn. I mean, you see my hat. We have a special surprise for you guys. I, I met this young man a couple of weeks back when I did Face to Face with Lewis Carr. Mm. And uh, I actually got introduced to him months before when Jackson started asking me about what was going on in the country. And I was trying to find a way to introduce him learning about black history. Mm -hmm. And I found this I Know Your Rights, I Know My Rights book, Bill of Rights. And it was written by my son, Lennon, who was was our guest today, who we're going to speak to. And I'm going to introduce my son and let him tell you a little bit about himself. But before we start, Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you that my son is an independent hip-hop artist and criminal justice reform activist from Bronx, New York. He's a co-founder of the social justice organizations Until Freedom, where he organizes and speaks out against bias, police, and inequity in the criminal justice system. He's also an author. Mr. Maison, are you with us? Hey. Hey, peace. Thanks for having me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. No, thank you so much for being here. This is the first time you're meeting my wife. You and I met uh, earlier mm-hmm. this, this year, but it's the first time you meet it's my wife. It's a pleasure. It's, it's nice to now put an actual face to the cartoon version of you <laughs> because your yeah. book is in heavy rotation in our house, like I told you before. So um, thank you so much for that. I mean, it made the the transition for us to have that talk with our sons um, that much easier. So I appreciate that. And Deval will tell you also, too, how you kind of inspired us. So... Um, yes, keep on um, keeping on, brother. Thank you, Queen. I appreciate it. No doubt. Yeah, so so for the people that really don't know you yet, please just tell them a little bit about yourself and, and tell them how you made this this decision to become an activist. Um. Okay, well, born and raised in the Bronx. Um, um, first, I was a basketball player when I was young. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I guess my knee got bad, so I stopped playing basketball. Then I started <laughs> doing hip-hop. And, you know, I was real, I thought I was good. Mm-hmm. Then people started telling me I was good. And 
1998, 99, I got signed to Def Jam on Violated Records by Chris Lighty, R.I.P. to Chris Lighty. He was the first mm-hmm. person that signed me. Roughly right after I got signed, I got convicted of an armed robbery charge that I actually never did. Ended up spending seven to 14 years, seven years out of a seven to 14 year sentence wow. in prison. Wow. So, mm. of the peak of my career, when I first was getting signed, was scheduled to be pretty much the biggest hip hop artist, the next next best thing they said. Mm. And um, I ended up spending seven years wow. right when I got signed. So, I did seven years, came home in 2006. Um, and while I was incarcerated, you know, I just, I learned a lot about the system, about the injustices of the system. You know, with so many young black and brown youth in there that was coming in 16, 17, mm-hmm. with 20, 30 years for crimes that didn't amount to over a hundred dollars. Right. You know, a lot of, a lot of older guys that I was in there was only 20th year sentence for supposedly robbing somebody for a white woman for one dollar, her pocketbook supposedly had one dollar. One of my closest friends, he actually just came home probably about a year ago. And um, he was one of my mentors, brilliant, really brilliant guy. And he was explaining to me his case. And I, you know, we were just sitting there one day and he was talking to me, we was reading something and he started telling me about his case. He's like, you know, I got locked up. You know, he said, when I was young, you know, we used to do a lot of stupid stuff. I used to hustle downtown, mm-hmm. you know, used to hustle downtown and selling drugs, whatever. And a white lady told the police that he robbed her. Mm-hmm. He didn't never see any, he said, I never seen this lady before. Mm. So I got arrested for this robbery. And she said that nobody did anything to her, but they walked up to her with a gun and said, give me your, your purse and took her purse. And she said she had $1 in the purse. And um, he went and he was fighting, the, he was fighting the case. She wasn't hurt, nothing. They gave the man 25 years for this. Wow. 25 wow. years for a, a, um, a $1 crime, pretty much. And so that really stuck in my mind. And it was, and when, you know, when I was in there, there were so many stories like this from young kids mm-hmm. that was just, it just was improportionate to a lot of these white kids that was going in there that was going home in two to three years were way worse crimes, million right. dollar bezelment charges and all type of right. stuff. Mm-hmm. So I realized, you know, it was it was disproportionate to our communities. So when I came home, being a hip hop artist, having notoriety from that, being from the streets, I understood that um, a lot of our realities were different. We had been taught the wrong things. We had glorified stupid things. And I was a victim of that. And a lot of mm. our kids are victims of that. Mm. And the injustice system utilizes, you know, the fact that we have been taught wrong. Well, can you, just, can you talk a little bit about that? Because you are a hip-hop artist, and my wife and I constantly have this conversation about how the mainstream media and on all of these outlets that utilize our culture to sell records and sell TV shows mm-hmm. continuously put us in a negative light so they can continue to push us through the injustice system. Can you talk a little bit about how that made you feel as an artist and the type of music you want to put out and the type of things you want to push forward? Yeah, that, and that, that's, that was my first step into activism. You know, mm-hmm. when I realized that I had been lied to, I had been taught, you know, something that wasn't reality, that we were taught to glorify. Like when we went to prison when we was young, it was some type of badge of honor. 
You right. know, cause a lot of these dudes was coming home from prison and they had the jail stories. So my, how they had the gators on and they was on a visit mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. I had, I had, I was getting packages and all of this stuff. And, and they come home, they were doing worked out. So you're looking, the whole block is glorifying them. And you think that it's something to go to prison. You like, right. wow. Right. Actually, in your mind, in a, in a funny way, you like, I, I want to go to jail. I want people to look at me like that. I want to have right. this badge of honor, this respect. Mm. You know, and I, when I went there, I realized we have been lied to. Everybody right. in there is fighting to come home. You know, mm-hmm. it's, you're surrounded by people who you probably would never talk to in the street. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it was a false narrative. And I wanted to come home and dispel that narrative. And I understood how hip hop had created that. And not created it, but it had... It had um glorified it. Utilized that. Yeah. It had utilized that that false narrative, and it was feeding that to these kids. And I realized when I was a rapper, that's all I knew. So I grabbed onto that same thing. I fed into glorifying violence and negativity. I, I fed into that, and, and and I was celebrated for it. Right. You know. And I realized that most of the artists who who are trying to sell positivity, who are giving us, you know, enlightening things, they not celebrated. We we got to re. My thing is, we have to make that cool. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, right. It wasn't cool for you to be a conscious rapper. It wasn't cool for you to talk about doing things positive. You know, so that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to come home and not make it corny, but still make it cool. I know I understood what our communities gravitated to, so I wanted to tell the stories truthfully. Well, not only was, sure. it, was it, not to cut you off, not only was it not cool, but it wasn't lucrative. Because if you look at conscious rappers, they weren't given the big deals. They weren't put, they, the machine wasn't, wasn't cool. behind them. Right, that's yeah. why it wasn't cool. So, And if exactly. it's not cool and it's not lucrative, then why would I even go that route? Exactly. Right. You know, so it becomes just a moral stance that we have. And that's what it was for me. It's like, I felt like I was cool. So I felt like I can make this cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You, that's what the, the reality is. We we dictate what cool is. They don't get Absolutely. to tell us. Right. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make being honest and being realistic and being, you know, having real integrity, having morals and values, something that was cool. So right. when I came home, that's the, the the path that I went. I wanted to dispel the jail myths and not make y'all think it was cool going to jail. It wasn't nothing cool about right. hurting each other. We ain't shooting and killing each other. Let's figure out how we're going to build. Because right. I know you, you have know, another initiative people. called uh, Kings. Uh, Kings Don't Kill Kings. Yeah, King Stop Killing Kings. Kings, Kings Stop Killing Kings. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, it, it, it came from my organization. You know, I, I wanted, I started called Raising Kings. Mm-hmm. And it was me dealing with at-risk youth and and, and, and retraining their mind state and, and re-giving them a right to passage. Retraining mm-hmm. what they believe real was, what manhood was. A lot of our kids, the definition of manhood has been tainted. Mm-hmm. And they believe in something that is not. So I started raising kings based on that. And then, you know, I wanted, when, based on when Nipsey lost his life, you know, knowing that he lost his life to another black man. And, and most of the time, that's what's happening in our communities. Right. You know, so I, I started the initiative King Stop Killing Kings, in which we did, we already did four marches. Um, we do a lot of different, I go to different detention centers, different schools, and you know, and just trying to change the mind state. Because what it is, is we got to identify each other as brothers, as family. And because when you identify someone as a brother or family member, you don't want to hurt them. Mm -hmm. You don't want to kill them. Mm -hmm. So that's what we got to reaffirm. I've realized that we've taken the neighbor out of neighborhood for a reason. 
Right. It's just the hood now. You know, it's no more neighborhood. Right. Because right. you don't see the person as your neighbor. When you start seeing that person as a neighbor and somebody that you got to protect mm-hmm. and that you're supposed to love, you know, so I don't use the hood no more. I say neighborhood. I'm from the neighborhood because my neighbors are participants in the hood. These are people I want to protect. I want to love. I want to make sure that the kids are safe. I want to make sure that the old woman feels safe. I want to make sure that the other brother, that I, if I can do something to help him, that he understands that we all in right. this together. That's so, interesting. You know, that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Putting the neighbor back in neighborhood because you think about it, the hood is there's a negative connotation around like the hood. You know what I mean? Right. For some people, unless I mean, you're from the hood, unless you're from the hood, and then it's different because yeah. that's just like home. That's where you're you're used to getting right. that love. So showing the differentiation between putting neighbor back in it for our young men, I think that's definitely yeah, that's definitely key. Um, we were talking about what's cool, my son, right? So it's cool to, for example, glorify the guy who comes home from jail. So you think about now social media and what's cool. You know, people are, young young kids particularly are glorifying these lives that they see on social media. So now that you've taken the stance as an activist and use your social media platform to push this, what do you think about Don Lemon's uh, call out to celebrities who don't post in the height of protesting this year, people who may not be using their platforms to um you know, continue this uprising in the fight? Well, I, I, I agree. You know, I say that all the time. Like, if we have a platform and you have a voice and you are connect, if you really say that you're for the upliftment of our culture and for, of our people, then why not utilize it to say something? Mm-hmm. I just did a um, panel with the XXL freshman in, in which we interviewed me and the rest of my Until Freedom organization, and we interviewed the, the, the next up and coming freshman. And we was talking about that. And and they identified with the fact that they have a responsibility. I think when you have a voice, you have a platform and you've and, and you've profited off of this community and this culture, then you're supposed to give back. You're supposed to elevate those things. Like I say all the time, I, I wanted I want my favorite basketball players, football players, artists, everything to have some social you know, social responsibility. I want you to feel like you owe it to us because I do. I feel like I owe they it do. to my community. To all, exactly. You should feel like it. You do and you should want, you should actually want that responsibility mm. because this culture and these people put you in a position to have these things. So you have to speak out. You have to speak out. Right now, we, we, we're in such a, a, a life-changing time and era that the more people speak out, you really can see change. Like right. that's what it is. Like the more that everyone is is conscious of that and they're speaking up and they're saying, "Hey, we don't like this and we're not okay with this," and I'm willing to make a stand and I'm willing to do something or I'm willing to sacrifice something, you can actually see that the tide is changing. You know, so we need as many people as possible to utilize their platforms and voices. This is the way I, I talk to my my wife about this because she and I had a little bit of a, not a disagreement, but we had different ideologies because as a mom, when things started to get real heavy, the first thing she wanted to do was take care of her family first. And I said, I understand that as a woman and I understand that as a, as a mom and a wife, but we also have to understand that when we use, utilize our social media to go back to these people and say, hey, we're doing X, Y, Z, we need your support. So we don't have a problem asking them for their support. Now they need our support. Mm-hmm. So because we ask them, these hundreds of millions of thousands of people for their support all the time, we have a responsibility to be their support system because they can't necessarily reach out and ask us for it. 
So um, mm-hmm. when we had this conversation, she was like, you know, I never thought about it like that. Right. And I never thought about where she was coming from, from the maternal instinct of having to protect home first. So we had to come to like a common ground. Right. And then we realized, you know what, you're going to find a way to say it in your time. But you got to say something. Definitely. I, I, I didn't realize that it would be tone deaf of me to just pretend as if this was not occurring, although I was very aware within my household, like DeVal said. Yeah. Um, but I had to know that there were, you know, about 700,000 people who supported me in my journey to where I am now that was owed you know, something, you know, yes. whether it was me posting about it, me doing content around it, it has to be highs and lows because we've always taken people through the highs and lows of our, our journey. So, yeah. And that leads sense. me to a question to you about black women, because you speak up on behalf of black women all the time, my son. Mm-hmm. And there was one thing you said that, that me and my wife were talking about yesterday. Mm-hmm. We were watching, what was the documentary? Black Boys. Black Boys on Peacock. And yeah. they were talking about how so many black men in prison are in prison because of the woeful cries of white women which America puts white women on a pedestal. If you attack a white woman or you become a villain to white women, you will be dealt with accordingly. But for mm-hmm. black women, mm-hmm. and when a black woman cries, it's never heard. And you've, you've mm-hmm. been talking about this for months. Can you speak a little bit about going through the Breonna Taylor case and everything that's going on and what you've seen over the past couple months? Well, you know, this, this Breonna Taylor case is it, it's personal for me and it's also something that I realized throughout the case is how serious and how disrespected black women are. The most disrespected people, you know, you say it all the time. And I say it all the time, but I think that with this case, it really made me pay attention because when, you know, when Sandra Bland happened, I was fighting because I always fight for black women. I'm surrounded by black women and women just in general or all the time and strong that, you know, so. I'm, I'm very aware of the responsibility that we have to fight. But when this Breonna Taylor case happened and I really started to think about it, I had never seen a black woman get justice. Like I've never seen, I've never heard a case where right. a black woman was killed by the police and somebody was even charged. Right. I've never heard it. I've heard one time and the officer got away, I was fighting for an elder lady in the Bronx named Deborah Dana, who was shot by the pol- a police officer. She was a 67-year-old woman and she was mental health and they called the police to her house and she picked up a pair of scissors and the police shot her three times wow. and killed her and the house said that she was a threat to him. She was wow. 67 years old. Wow. This, and, and I'm just trying to figure out why did you see the need to shoot this woman? Right. You know, and they fought and I fought and I protested for 40 straight days in front of the pretend. I never forget it. Every day, rain, mm-hmm. sleet, snow, and I was out there. And they finally charged, they charged the officer, but he beat the case. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I've never, and even that, there was no justice. I've right. never seen a, a, a black woman receive any level of justice in America. And that really, really bothered me, you know? So when I was out here and I started getting in tune with the family and I start really understanding this case and just, and now when you see what's going on now, the rabbit hole is even deeper. When yes. you talk about what's going on with this case, you have this man, Daniel Cameron, who is a quote unquote a black man who literally decided that he was going to circumvent due process. Right. Like he literally decided, you know what, this case right here, I'm not going to give it to, I'm not going to let him see his day in court. I don't believe he did it and I believe it's right. So you know what, I'm not even going to present this to a case because Mm -hmm. based on my, my own personal beliefs, I think it made sense. 
And that's what people so, don't realize that with the grand jury, that the um, the district attorney has a right to present whatever they think was done wrong. Right. So he purposely yeah. omitted the bullets that went into Breonna Taylor. He purposely omitted that. So now the grand jury is coming out saying, we didn't even, we didn't even, <laughs> we didn't even know that right. this was part of the case. Can you right. talk a little bit about that? It's, it's just crazy. When you sit there and you think about that, like how did they just justify it? Right. How do you just say that we're not even going to present that this even happened? Right. Like how understanding that there's an outcry by the world saying that these officers need to be arrested. The whole world is saying it. And you made your own decision that you're not even going to let it be presented to a jury to, to, for them to even decide whether we think right. it's something that needs to be heard. Just have due process. You know how many times we've got arrested for things that we were innocent for and they had no proof and said, well, we just got to arrest you. you. Go to court, you know, fight your case. Right. Right. Let them fight their case. Let them right. let them have their day in court. They took some woman lost her life over so much negligence right. and cover ups and illegal things. And you decided that that wasn't even pertinent to give to a jury for them to even decide on their own. Right. And that's the problem. And and I and I when I watch your posts, that's what you're continuously arguing. You're not even in here saying they're definitely guilty. You're saying let's let, let them have their day in court. You don't even want to let them right. have their. And that's, that's what black crazy. people don't understand. Mm -hmm. That is crazy. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. That is really crazy to me. Like I've, I sat in jail for seven years for a crime I didn't commit. I went to I had to go to and they had no evidence. They had one person saying he did something. I went to jail for seven years. Wow. And you telling me we got bullets that went into a woman. They didn't even. When this grand jury met, they didn't even search the woman's house. They went there with a search warrant right. to search the house. They ended up killing her and never searched the house. Right. So you, what did you go there for? What, right. what was the whole, the whole purpose was we came there and had a search warrant. We was looking for something. Right. You never did anything that you came there for and you killed the woman and there's nobody responsible for nothing. Right. Like this, this system is is rigged and is and it's not broke because it is working the way it was designed. Say that again. Not, not, Say that again. That. We just said that. Say that <laughs> yes. again. It is definitely oh. working the way it's designed. I tell people all the time, mm -hmm. like it wasn't when they had this system in place, it was never supposed to benefit black people. The constitution, none right. of this was supposed to benefit us. Mm -hmm. So that's why it doesn't work for us. Right. Mm -hmm. And I say all the time, we really need something different. It's a, it's a slogan that I say, but it's really, we really actually need something different. We have to reconstruct what justice looks like. You know, when a, when a justice system and, and the government no longer fits the people, mm -hmm. then it's not fit to rule. Right. Like we don't, the government works for us. We don't work for the government. So if everybody is saying this ain't right and y'all trying to tell us it is, we, how do we continue to listen to laws and rules that don't fit us? You know, it's funny it you say that. Sense. It's funny you say that because our producer Tribble said something to me yesterday yep. that was so profound. So um, in South Africa, when they ended apartheid, mm -hmm. they didn't amend the constitutional rights. They got rid of the constitution that existed prior to that and created a new constitution. And that's what America needs to do to represent yeah. black people you go. as more than three-fifths of a human. Because right now, underneath all of these laws, and this is what I think black people need to understand, because I hear people argue all the time that, you know, what, what do you expect to happen? They're, this is legal. Yes, it's legal. 
underneath constitutional laws that do not protect and stand for black people. That's what we're fighting for, changes to the exactly. Constitution. Exactly. Not changes to just police officers. Of course not. Because that's the big argument. BLM is anti-police. They're fascists. No, that's and it's far deeper than just yes. like not liking somebody because of their skin color, which is, I think, a lot of people, like a lot of white people are like, well, I have black friends. I, you know, like right. not all black people are bad. It's not, it has nothing to do with that. It's oh. the system yes. in place. The Constitution. I mean, I well... Sorry, white supremacy is, 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 no, is a structure and it's a system. It's not white people in general. And that's what people don't get. And, and, and the police structure is built around white supremacy. Right. That's it, deep, it though. What criminalizes, you just said. Criminalizes. Bro, what you just said was so deep. You just said white supremacy is not white people. It's the structure in which we exist. Mm -hmm. People exactly. do not want to hear that. That's why yep. they keep trying to point to people. But that's yep. so deep, bro. Yeah. That's yeah. deep and it's eloquent. White supremacy is not white people. It's the system in which we exist. Damn, my son, you need to write another book, bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working I, on I it. figured you were. He got a whole I, bunch I of sound you, bites. I figured you, yeah, that. all of these sound bites. Because it's, it's, explain what, yeah. if anyone follows you on social media and is not trying to just be a troll, because a lot of people on social media are just trying to be trolls. Right. Yes. If anyone's on social media that just listen to the things you say and what you stand for, it's not hard Mm -hmm. to understand why you feel the way you do, especially since you are a product of a system that was designed to enslave you. Yeah. You understand what I'm right. saying? You know firsthand. You've been there, you know. But I, my thing is this. I take it because I understand it. If you look, I was going to write a post. I was like, you know, they called Martin Luther King a coon. He was one of the most dangerous men in the world. Malcolm X couldn't even get buried. Right. He wouldn't bury him. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus got hung. Like, if you... Mm -hmm. So when when I when I'm on there talking to trolls, I'm in good company. When people tell you. me I'm the worst person in the world and all of this, <laughs> I'm like everybody that I idolized was told the exact the same, same thing. thing. I, so you. I have no problem with that. I take that so with a grain of salt, man, because I understand that my mind state is going to trigger people. It's going to scare people because it's not something that you're used to. I don't just follow. I don't follow like the sheep. Like right. I, I, I actually critically think things. And I, and I know, and I follow my moral compass. You know mm. what I'm saying? I don't go along, like, just like he said, it's legal. No, le legal and right is two different things. You yes. know, I know right and wrong. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and based on the law, if the law is built on something that's wrong, then it's wrong. I don't mm. care if you telling me it's right. right. Somebody was saying, one of the, um, the I forgot the guy's name. He was talking during that interview that Charles Barkley and, and Shaq was. And he said that the officers said they did it by the book. He said, if they did it by the book, then Kenny we got to fix the book. Mm. It was yeah. Kenny Smith. No, it wasn't. It was the oh, white was guy. It wasn't Kenny Smith. Ernie. It was the white so was Ernie. Ernie. He did Ernie say, said, yo, you're right. He did mm. say that. He, he said, did. if they did it by the book, then we got to fix the book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is for me. It's like, I don't, you can't tell me because it says somewhere that it's right. It's right. Like one plus one is going to be two. You're not going to tell me it's four because somebody wrote it in the book. Right. So this is what we're dealing with. People are comfortable with somebody telling them something that doesn't make sense. 
and I'm not okay with that. So I'll fight. I'll argue with trolls sometime when I got time. Right. If I got time, we got day, time. I'll give you a couple of paragraphs. Yeah, so I got time. See, the best part for me is the people who actually have the time to troll. So instead of using the time to troll, my son, tell people how they can actually get involved and be actual social activists and not just people talking a lot of smack on online. Where do people start if they really want to evoke change, whether it's on their community level, state level, national level? Give us some give us some tips. Where can where can they go? It's so many ways that you can go. It's so many different things because everybody's not going to be a frontline activist like me. They're not going to take months away from their family to move to Kentucky to stand on the front line. They're not mm -hmm. going to go to jail. They're not going to risk their lives. They're not going to support families. They're not going to put make those sacrifices. And it's cool. Mm -hmm. Some people are going to be on Instagram and, and tweet about it. Mm -hmm. But as long as you're doing something that's in that is evolving us, that's pushing us somewhere higher, like there's so many different things. You just got to find your entry point. We got people that come here and we in Kentucky and they come bring us food mm. because they can't be out with us. They bring us food. They'll mail us um, all types of health things. We got people that send us. It's so many different entryways into this movement. You just got to find out what it is that I do that I know that I can contribute. Everybody, mm -hmm. some people speak, some people don't. Some people support the people that speak. Some people financially support organizations and people who are doing the work. It's just so many different, but I just say, we don't have the right to do nothing. Like, I don't care what you do, but you can't just, just do, do nothing. nothing. You know, like people be on my page, like, yo, you always doing this. Why are you not doing this? And I'm like, well, okay, cool. Maybe you're right. But why don't you do what you say I'm not doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? right. I see like, that a lot. Critiques. I see all that a lot, bro. You got all, oh, you got a lot of armchair critics, critics without credentials is what, what my sister Linda called them. Do something. I don't mind. I might not. I'm not perfect. I, I can tell you that. Mm. I'm not doing everything right all the time. Mm -hmm. The thing is that the places I'm missing, why don't you do it? Mm -hmm. You can create that. Because yeah. I created what I did. Create what you feel needs to be done. But you know what bothers me, though? Even, even in you saying that, my son, people will say, why aren't you doing this for stuff that you are doing? But it's not publicized because they don't want to push that narrative. For example, mm -hmm. the biggest argument against BLM or against any any organization like Until Freedom that's pushing forth the change is, well, what about black on black crime? And they go on my son's page all the time and say, but you don't care about black on black crime. And I sit back and I'm just like, dude, this dude has a whole platform where he's focusing on black on black crime, but you won't see it in the news because they don't want us to talk about that. And that yeah. and it's things like that and, and what you just said that made me realize in order to be an activist, you have to understand that activism is understanding the fact that people will not like you for promoting change that will evolve us as people. And once mm -hmm. you come to that, that point in your life, mm -hmm. you can truly be an activist because the trolls don't matter, the headlines don't matter, yep. all the bullshit that comes out don't matter mm -hmm. because I know what I'm doing it for. And that's right. that's what I applaud you for, bro, because you found your pocket, you found your niche, you are true to that, and you're not going to change based on people saying, oh, I don't like my song. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, think, I think you need to be applauded for that because for sure. it's hard being a black man just existing, but trying to be a black man that promote change. Oh, <laughs> and a black man that stands for black woman, forget about it. Like now, now you get it from all angles because I've even seen black men come at my son for promoting black women and be like, oh, you know, what about black men? Like, he talks about black men all the time, guys. Like, can we, can he just not just focus on this for right now? We are focusing on this right now. Right now, we are focusing <laughs> on black women. Can we not do that? Oh, so, bro, I, I respect you, man. It's 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 a very it's a very um unique situation for me because um. I'm a person that my reputation is what I care about. Like, like mm -hmm. I care about how I'm perceived. 
based on the way that I move. You know, like I've never, when I was young, I wasn't a person that had a lot of money or anything, but I had a good reputation with people. Anybody that said that, you know, that I actually came in contact with most of the part, for the most part, they said that, that dude is a good dude, a stand up dude. So internet was kind of tricky for me at first mm-hmm. when attacking my character. Yeah. Cause that's all I ever had. Yeah. So you can't attack my character. Like you could say anything about, but my character is, right. is really what it is for me. So that, that was really hard for me at first, you know, and then, Lately, the whole tax, like you said, is about oh, what about you don't want to talk about what's going on in the Bronx and they're killing people every day. You don't say nothing about that and black on black. And I say all the time that, you know, I don't I don't I don't use the term black on black crime because it's a false narrative. We it's don't not, either. Yep. Not real. There's no such thing because it's proximity crimes. Yes. Pre- mm. Commit crimes in the areas where people are closest to them. Yep. That's who commit crimes. That Most crimes in white communities are committed by white, white people. people. <laughs> So everybody. So that, that term right there is is designed to, to make it look like we are more violent and we are more prone to crime right. than anybody. And people don't understand that poverty creates crime. Poverty is violence. Yes. You don't mm-hmm. go to communities where black people are thriving. There's no crime in those. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So when you go to the hood where people are hungry, there's mm-hmm. crime in those communities. Yep. You know, there's violence in those communities. If you put any people in the in the conditions that you put these black people in that you say are committing these crimes they could they do the same exact thing right there's no different and if you go throughout the world the same level absolutely. of crime and violence is is, is 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 the overall thing is poverty absolutely you know and i tell absolutely. people that all the time so i understand i come from an era i come from a time i come from a place where most people would just want to get out you know, most people really just trying to figure. And when they get out, if you look at most of our athletes, and as soon as they get out of that that era, and they get out of that area, and they get out of that community, it's no more crime. Mm-hmm. Right. The crime changes. So we understand what it is when we talk about defunding the police. That's what defunding the police means. It doesn't mean we trying to we want anarchy and we don't want police ever. No, we want you to take some of the billions mm-hmm. that you're giving the police and give a couple of those to. Community, community activists, programs, give a couple yeah. of those to um, community organizations that can actually, com- you know, that actually prevent crime. Because police yeah. don't prevent crime in our community. No, they don't. They, they lock you up after you commit the crime. Yeah. Right. They don't prevent the crime. <laughs> they only prevent 2% of the crime. So the crime is is, is going to be able to be stopped by me because I know everybody in the hood. So when I go to the hood and they like, yo, such and such is beefing with such and such, I sit down with both of them like, what y'all beefing over? And the right. respect that they have for me is going to bring them to the table. So that's a murder that we start. We got, we actually got crime, you know, um, crisis management programs in Queens, in the Bronx, in Brooklyn, with former people who are gang members and and people that came right. home from jail who actually prevent the crimes. Mm-hmm. So if you give though, if you allocate those funds to them, you'll see the, the the crime change. You'll see different changes. But no, they don't. They don't want to do that because they want it fits a narrative. They want to yeah. say. You know what? We're not gonna fund those communities. We're gonna make sure that the schools is, is the worst, the the health is the worst. We're gonna make sure everything is the worst, and we're gonna put a pandemic in the hood, and then we're gonna say the only essential businesses is the is the liquor store. Right. Mm. So they can't go play no sports, can't right. go hang out, can't do nothing. But you can get liquor and stand on the corner, and that's and, it. And, and y'all bringing guns in the community and saying 
oh look how look at the savages. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. this is this, like this is what this is what they doing to us. And 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 most of, sometimes we get so frustrated with us and and we blame us and we don't realize and, and then they say oh you just want to make an excuse like this is common sense it's been the right. same play over and over that they play they know if they give us the same opportunities and the same resources that we're going to prevail and it's, it's done purposely that's the reason why they don't i think i think what you just explained was was brilliant because people don't understand what defund the police is mm-hmm. they think that defund the police means just fire all the cops and let us do it for right. ourselves but what you're saying is allocating funds for programs that can help promote uh, wealth building and time management for young men and women who have nothing but time and no resources to allocate energy, right. which obviously makes sense. Right, because that's so, a struggle. Because they defunded, they defunded education. Like they all took the time. All of the good programs. <laughs> yep. They took yep. all of the, the acting and all yes. of the all of the stuff, yep. the music all the arts. program. Yep. All the arts out of schools, and now these kids got nothing to do but go to corners mm-hmm. and just sit there. Right. So, what do you think is going to happen? And their mothers don't have jobs. No. They frustrated. You know. So, what do you what do you actually think happens? And it's funny. People have people have yet to create the correlation that the increase because what they're saying right now is the increase in crime in the neighborhoods is because we're all screaming for defunding the police without thinking that the increase in the crime is coming from the fact that people do not have jobs. Right. Like people do not have work. There are millions and millions of people who do not have work who are f- trying to find ways to feed families. Mm-hmm. But y'all want to say no, it it's black trauma. people. We, feel like we in a pandemic. Like, for real, you don't... Yeah. The, I realize how traumatic this situation was. Being locked in your house for months, like, mm-hmm. I was going through trauma. Like, I was dealing... I was angry all the time. Yeah. You know, I was frustrated. Yeah. I had to start creating workout programs for myself. Like literally I yeah. had to do things because my health. mind, yeah. I was losing. I found myself drinking more. Like, like, you know what? Let me just take a drink. I ain't got us nothing too. better to do. That was us us. Too. Yeah. Us too. Every night, little night. Cat. Every night just like, yo, I'm looking at the news. They showing the death count. You're going to yeah. die. Like, so th- imagine a young kid in a house right. going through that. Right. Somebody who ain't, who's not, who hasn't really even mastered his emotion, who doesn't even understand Still developing. what he's doing. He's just still developing mm-hmm. and he's just surrounded by that all day, all day long. Like we are in a crisis. We right. are in a crisis and poverty is the biggest form of crisis. So when you snap, when you put all the rest of that on top of poverty, yes, mm-hmm. what do you think you're going to get? Right, bro. We're gonna have you back on. We have to have you back on because this yes, conversation sir, is yeah. not—it's not over. It's not this over. is just the beginning the of the still, conversation. Still continuing. So right. yeah, we appreciate you. But before you leave, can you yeah. please tell everybody where to find you? Everything that they can do to find you, or everything that you're working on. Okay, so um, my Instagram is my son NY General. You can follow me there. On Twitter is at my son. Um, follow until freedom. So you can be up, you know, updated about what we're doing to fight for Breonna Taylor. We're doing a big march October 17th with Breonna Taylor's family in, in New York. So we want everybody to come out there with us. Um, and just, yeah, just follow me on those, those platforms. It's not hard to find. Hey, what's good, y'all? I think it's important for you to understand why black representation in media is important. It's important because the media represents how people view us. And it's important that they understand that black people are not a monolithic people. That is a fact. And the next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truth. Black Stories, Black Truth is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct as 
varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Let's say I'm trying to lurk on you. You know, see what you're doing and who you're doing it with. I can stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. You do that? Not anymore. <laughs> I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages. So no public feeds. And the money is immediately available to use with Apple Pay. Babe, did you just send me a dollar on Apple Cash? I just said our cash isn't content. Shh. <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, y'all, losing two loved ones in a matter of six months, it can be a lot. And a lot of times when you're dealing with grief, you have a lot to get off your chest with your family. That's absolutely right. You know, people carry around all different types of stresses, big and small. When you keep them bottled up, it can start to affect you negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to kind of figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com deadass today to get 10% off your first visit. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash deadass. During the break, let's quickly talk about a couple things that are important to most people I know. Comfort and style. Crocs, classic clogs, and sandals have both covered. When I'm talking about style, I mean personal style. There are just so many colors and so many gibbet charms that you can add to the Crocs to make them unique. You can dress up your Crocs to match your mood, to match your personality, to fit the occasion, and you can change them up day to day. I mean, ultimately... You can stand out from the crowd in a way that only you can because it's your personal style. And now, let's talk about comfort. You know, it doesn't get better than Crocs, clogs, and sandals when it comes to being comfortable. Style and comfort are usually a trade-off, but here, they're a package deal. It's like you have cushions on your feet. Soft, stylish, personalized, colorful cushion. That's right. So why wait? Head over to Crocs.com today and experience the comfort and style of Crocs Classic Clogs and sandals for yourself. Your feet will thank you. We're back, y'all. All right. And yeah. it's listener letter time. Um, we have someone here who's a huge fan of the show. They say thank you. Yes, thank you. Um, thank you for be w- being willing to be vulnerable and transparent. My question is about your stance on activism and what you think is okay. I understand the anger that black people have. I am angry. But when it comes to looting and violence, I often feel like that behavior sets us back and takes the attention off of the mission. But I'm hearing so many conflicting views. What do you think? 
to me, this is simple. Okay, I, I, I do not. What, what bothers me the most is that the same people who have a voice on looting are often silent when it comes to the murders. Talk about it. Which means you mean what you tell us is that the property and the businesses are Talk more important about than it. the people. Y'all care about sheetrock. Yes. Than you do about the blood running yes. through our veins. And okay? as and as a small business owner, as a small business owner, mm-hmm. for the past ten years, I understand that businesses are important. Yeah. But let's be real. Majority of these of these businesses that are in our community are not owned by us. Mm-hmm. They constantly disrespect us. They are owned by people who don't even live in the communities in which they ask the people in the community to patronize their business. Mm-hmm. So then when their businesses get destroyed by the same people they disrespect, you cannot be upset at the people. You understand what I'm saying? You cannot ask a marginalized people who have been terrorized, brutalized, and criminalized their whole life to now be civilized when responding to your brutality. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying to me is, listen, I know. I know I killed you. I know I shot you. I know I shot your kids. I know I locked your people up. But I'm going to need you to just be calm, be calm mm-hmm. and don't do what we've been doing to you for 400 years. That, to me, is what when people say to me, y'all shouldn't riot and loot. Mm-hmm. That's what you're saying to me. Man, this woman said, said she I- said it so eloquently on this clip. I wish I could find it. I have to dig it up. But there was a woman mm-hmm. that was speaking about looting. Mm-hmm. And she started off talking about like a monopoly game. Yes. And it's like, all right, so I'm going to give you this money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm going to give you this money, but I'm, I'm going to take this from you. And I'm going to take that from you. And I'm going to mm-hmm. take that from you. And it's like you keep taking and you keep taking with all these promises right. of things that we're going to get. That's going to come. And it's never, it never comes. And, I mean, let me tell you how many times I, I, I should – I feel like we should pull that clip up at some point and, right. and, and air it because you know about. which one I'm talking about. Yes. But she literally was just like, to hell with your building. Yes. She at broke this down point. the socioeconomic – damage that was created to black people and why we respond by damaging your property absolutely yeah. absolutely so it's a really it's a really um you have to kind of total line between like you know promoting the, the violence I, there's, and no, the looting. there's no there's no total line i don't i don't think that we promote looting no we're not, we not promoting but it but just saying is the also voice. holding people accountable who don't understand why we're looting right but 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 we can't glaze over that you don't promote looting right but looting and rioting is the voice of the voiceless mm-hmm. you've taken away all other options for them to get their point across, which right. is why they're looting and rioting. The Think peaceful about, protesting, the kneeling, like we exactly. said earlier in the show. You took all of that away. Yep. You said we couldn't peacefully protest, we couldn't kneel, we can't march. Mm-hmm. We don't have people in, in positions of power who are politicians who can help us get change. We have to get your attention. You want us What's to stop left? looting? Pay attention when we hashtag. What's left? You want us to stop looting? Pay attention when we kneel. Stop moving the goalposts. Stop hijacking the narrative and mm-hmm. listen to what we're saying and we'll stop looting. That does. That's not promoting looting. Right. But you got to understand, if you're a child, right? If you're a child and your whole life, your father has been whooping your ass, whipping your mom's ass every single day, there's going to come a point when you grow up and you become a man. And you say, well, I'm tired of these ass whoopings and I'm going to hit this man back. When you decide after taking abuse for 400 years, That you're going to hit your abuser back. You cannot then play the victim as the abuser and say this is wrong. Mm -hmm. Especially when you're... You know what I'm saying? It's property. Especially especially since this company, this country was gained off of a riot. You celebrate the Boston Tea Party. You celebrate Christopher Columbus who pretty Mm -hmm. much looted and rioted the indigenous people to get this land. These are the things we celebrate here in America. Mm -hmm. 
We have a Columbus Day. Very selective. Is that not ironic that we celebrate we celebrate Very looters collective. and rioters when it's not black people? Mm -hmm. So let's be clear. We are not condoning looting. We're not promoting it. What I am promoting is that if you listen to us, we won't loot and we won't riot. But you cannot then point the finger at us when we do. Dead ass. Dead ass. That's how I feel That's about just it. what it is. <laughs> well, that was a great listener letter because it encompassed something that I think that we didn't get to discuss in social activism, yeah. which was what was happening, the rioting and the yes. looting. Um, so thank you for that, that listener letter. But also, this is not the first time looting and rioting, like we said before, has yes. happened in America. Yep. This has happened in every social change forum. Every time we got to that point, there's always been looting and rioting. Absolutely. And it's as American as American pie. There you go. And if you'd like to be featured as one of our listener letters, y'all, email us at deadassadvice at gmail.com. And you can email us about almost any and everything. Yes. You know, give, give, them, give them the email one more time. That's deadassadvice at gmail.com. D-E-A-D-A-S-S-A-D-V-I-C-E at gmail.com. All right. Moment of truth yes. time. Moment of truth time. You want to go first or you want me to go first? Um, I mean, I can go first. Um, I feel like with this whole talk of activism, what it looks like, the mm -hmm. social activism, the social media activism, mm -hmm. the biggest thing is taking an introspective look at where you fall in this change system, picking a point, picking mm -hmm. a position. It could be one position. It can be two or three, depending mm -hmm. on what your interest is or where it lies or where your mm -hmm. strengths are. And then investing time and energy in that. Yes. As opposed to clocking other people on what they're doing. Yes. Because the time that you're spending yes. clocking this person or that person, celebrity or not, is time that can be spent evoking change where you can see it, where it's tangible for you, where you have that strength. Yes. Do that. Yes. Do that. Yes. <laughs> Do that. <laughs> Do that. No, I, I I agree, <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback on that. Uh, to me, social activism is a personal choice. How you choose to be an activist uh, should be something you do daily. And I want to give this uh, to the people because everything you said, I agree with everything you said. But I want people to think about this: if the Underground Railroad existed in 2020, Harriet Tubman would not be on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. That's a fact. But she be getting shit done. She be getting it all the way done. So we got to think about that. On the low. Before we go out here and start to point out who we think are not doing enough. Mm -hmm. Take an introspective look and realize, Yes. am I doing enough? Exactly. All right. Be sure to find us on social media, y'all. Deadass the podcast. And, of course, I'm Kadeen. I am. And, of course, I am Deval. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate Review and subscribe. subscribe. Deadass. Deadass, y'all. Deadass is a production of iHeartMedia Podcast Network and is produced by Denora Pena and Tribble. Follow the podcast on social media at Deadass the Podcast and never miss a thing. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com.
You know that I feel like it's important to express yourself. You got to put your true self out there. And those classic Crocs, clogs, and sandals let you do that. That's right. Between the rainbow of colors and the gibbets charms, you can create a unique look. And I mean, literally, no one else will have shoes exactly like yours. Hey, you know it doesn't get any more comfortable than the Crocs, clogs, and sandals. They are just the perfect blend of comfort and creativity. Visit Crocs.com to explore the latest styles and gibbets charms. It's time to celebrate Black History Month at the Walmart Black and Unlimited Clock. One at Flatiron Plaza in New York City and one at Ovation Hollywood in Los Angeles from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. With giveaways dropping every hour on the hour, it's a perfect time to try, like, and share black-led products. It's free for everyone and it's your chance to see how you can level up your daily routine with black-led products that are creating a new world of choices at Walmart. Trust, you don't want to miss it. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. <laughs> 